Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of Post Daily Dose. The best little parenting show on the internet. I hope everybody's doing well this evening. I'm going to plug these books real quick while folks are logging in. Brian's book, From Fear to Love, that you can pick up on promotion at fear2lovebook.com. Also, um, postinstitute.com and Amazon. Fear2lovebook.com is actually a promotional site. You can get this book for $7.95. You can't get it for that price any place else that I know of. So that is a great way to, a great opportunity to get it at a discount and get a really good taste of the Post Institute, of our model, of how trauma affects the mind-body system and development and what we can do as parents and caregivers to help support our children in healing. Then we got this other great book, The Great Behavior Breakdown. It goes deeper, real stories from the trenches, Good stuff, good, good stuff. And then our workbook, dee, 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 from Fear to Love. And my hope, you know what? My goal this week is to get these three books. I've got these two. I've got it all messed up. <laughs> I've got these two in a bundle on our website. So that's a great way to get a little discount. And it's my goal this week to get this one put in there as well. So Cheryl... If you're watching today, you had messaged me, golly, I don't know how many days ago it was, asking me about the price of the books. And the reason I have not responded is because your very question caused me to say, I can't even tell Cheryl the price because I really need to put these in a bundle so that I can get you guys an even better discount. So things to do, things to do. I got my hair done today, got colored and cut. Uh, something about fresh hair is so like refreshing. It just feels so good. And I also have an incredible friend, church family um, person who does my hair. And, um, you know, there's something really amazing about just talking about real life things and going a little deeper and digging deeper and being vulnerable and authentic. It's just... Um, yeah, you know, for all of us, me included, for all of us, it's just really, it was just a really beautiful time. Like, it was like this three hours that just flew by. It was incredible. So, uh, that's enough about me. Let's just talk about this topic today. Um, this actually comes directly from a question that was sent in through Facebook Messenger. Um, there was a lot more to it, but the general gist was... My kids have been with me for about a year. When they first came, they just ate. They just ate, you know, they ate and they ate whatever I put in front of them pretty much and they weren't picky and they, and now all of a sudden there's all this, all this uh, stress. There's just all this stress around food and the sense that they're making of it is that it is to, it's because they're seeking a reaction which that may be true, maybe, but it may not be true. I don't always know. Sometimes it's sometimes we assume a motivation in our children's behavior that's not accurate. <laughs> Just because we feel reactive and we get reactive 
that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the motivation behind the behavior of children. So I don't know for sure if that's what this is rooted in or not. But one of the things that the parent said is it feels like a battle of control. So when issues of control come up, they are actually rooted in issues of safety. So when we don't feel safe, we seek to control. So that's a big piece. Um, the other piece, I'm just gonna, you know, I've been thinking, honestly, I read this, I read the message like early this morning and it's just been bubbling around in me all day. What should I say to this person? What would I do? And so when I, when I do coaching or when I'm talking with people, I just talk about, well, you know, I think about it from the perspective of how would I handle this or how have I handled this? Because I have had lots of kids in my life who have had various challenges around food. Um, and I find that the less we make a big deal about it, the better it goes. <laughs> so, um, I found it very interesting that it, the mom said that she felt like, I'm assuming mom, but I could be wrong, that she felt like it was all for seeking a reaction. So it's kind of, that then led me to go on that, kind of that concept of just a child doing something just for attention. Just, and that word just sort of like takes the validity out of that so it's like we're tempted to be like well then I shouldn't give them attention or in this situation then I shouldn't react or maybe we should get super dramatic you know maybe I mean this is how I like how I parent and how I work through things is like I explore it in my brain like well so then maybe maybe if they're needing a reaction maybe I need to like really I mean they're little they're five and six and we know that there could be some regression. And so why not just get like super authentic and dramatic about it? Like, I'm so worried if you don't eat that you're going to starve to death and there's just going to be these nothing but tiny little bones. And oh, you know, if they're looking for a reaction, then why not just amp it up and be like super corny and ham it up big time, but not like in a way that's like really serious, but almost in a way where we're kind of making fun of ourselves. There's an idea. Or maybe I would just not make a big deal out of it all and I would just make sure that there are grazing foods out because a lot of our kids come from a background where there wasn't a lot of emotional regulation around food. So that means we may need to create some emotional regulation around food. And it's interesting because sometimes when our kids start feeling safe, in our home, then we start seeing some behavior challenges sort of bubbling up. So it could even be like in this situation, I might then, I might not do that. I'm not like, no, that probably wouldn't be the way to go. But I know I've done that about like an injury, you know, like when a child is injured, but we know it's not a really big injury, but they need us to feel like it's big because it's big to them. And so we get really amped up and pretend like we're doctors and we get out the toilet paper. We make a great big cast to go on the finger because that's going to make everybody feel better for us to all acknowledge how very horrible this injury is. And so that's kind of the line of like, go ahead and give them what it is that seems like is being asked for in that moment by the reaction. So that's, that's that thought. 
line of thought there. But I've also seen where even though somebody may have the ability to do something, like um, they may have the ability to feed themselves with a fork or a spoon, but there's some sort of emotionality going on around food. So I might even, I might even ask them, would you like me to feed you? You know, like how babies get fed. And so I might, I might even step it back then and I might start playing, I'm gonna feed you and here comes the airplane, choom, in for a landing and you know, chugga, 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 like really go back and reparent around food and take it back to that place of maybe actually feeding them. Um, that might create more emotional regulation around food and it might give them the attention that is being asked at that time. So I might try that. Um, I might try bottle feeding if that's a need that I feel like is being presented. I'm always willing to regret, to, to parent, you know, to, to step back, you know, to boop, 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 boop. Brian says, if you haven't got it, you've got to get it. And I think that's really wise. When you think of like the progression around food and we start off with bottle feeding or nursing and then we move up to us feeding them and them have, using finger foods and then they move up to using their fork or spoon or whatever. And so with our kids, because I know when we stress, we regress and there's something going on around food. And so... I might even then go ahead and invite and meet that regressed place by reworking that. And so when we are, when we feed our kids, uh, we're also helping them have like a pace about eating. And so like if you have somebody who eats too fast and they're not fully chewing their food, then you might go back to, you know, doing a little bit of retraining by feeding them. Uh, in this situation, I would also look at what's going on before food and what's going on after food because it could be that they're in just this state of dysregulation or like in a hurry so that they can go do this other thing or they may even be avoiding and so they're really slow to avoid the next thing. And so I would look at, you know, what's going on before food, what's going on after food, what's going on during food. And because what she said is there weren't, there weren't any, there wasn't anything consistent with regards to like food choices. It was like things that they used to like, they don't like anymore. And then things that they literally liked 10 minutes ago, they don't like now. And so there's just all these, there's all these red flags saying that this isn't so much about like food is the tool, but the message is a need for control. And I know issues of control are rooted in safety. So the other thing that I would be doing is I would be making sure that I'm doing time in. So I would be making sure that I'm spending 10 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes after any significant separation, or maybe just a midday 20 minute together break, and then 10 minutes before bedtime of time in. And I might even incorporate something that feels like time in around food. 
because there's some sort of anxiety, there's some sort of stress. And so anytime there's a stress, I don't necessarily have to know every little thing about it to say, I need to create, I'm not gonna fight about this. Like, I don't like that. That's not gonna get us where we need to go. I can't force you to eat. I can't force somebody to eat. I can't force them to walk. I can't force when they sleep. I can't force how they go to the bathroom. There's a lot of things that we do not have control over. And so that is why relationship becomes the avenue for everything. And so I would really be looking at what can we do to help create a stronger sense of safety. These kids have only been here for a year and that's not very long. So that means they're five and six, I think she said, and that is a womb and four to five years that may have all been trauma before the now. So there's a big, there's a whole bunch underneath this, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff underneath this that causes me to say, let's really focus on relationship. That time in <laughs> isn't time that we're teaching. It's not time that we're instructing. It's not... It's time when they're sitting on our lap. We're rubbing their back. We're snuggled in bed. We're talking to them about beautiful, unique characteristics. Like, I just love your smile. I love how you help. I love this about you. Or maybe it's no words at all, and it's our energy. It's our energy and the posture of our heart that gives us the look on our face where they see how much we love and adore them because... As you guys know, that helps create more oxytocin at the brain level. And the more oxytocin we have available, that helps to modulate the stress hormones cortisol. And so that's going to help us get to a better place regardless. That's nothing but good is going to come out of having that time in. And doing that now while they're little can help create that as a literal routine in your family. Um, I've had parents who like, they did all kinds of other parenting stuff. They came and found the post Institute that they, they did time in. That was like the one thing they're like, okay, all this other stuff really makes sense. The understanding makes sense. And the one activity I'm going to step into first and foremost is time in. And so once they started time in, they started seeing these really big shifts happen. And then their kids got to do it better. And then they got older and maybe they didn't do time in on a regular basis. And then something would come up, a behavior would start popping up that let them know that their child was getting stressed out again. And so instead of like arguing with them about the behavior or punishing them about the behavior or, you know, getting into long drawn out lectures about the behavior, they would just simply start doing time in again because there's an indicator that there's some sort of big stress going on. And I know that my calm, loving presence is going to have a bigger effect than all the lectures that I could give. So no matter the age of your child, that calm, that connection, that soothing can create drastic changes for them, just like it does for us. When we're stressed out and overwhelmed, isn't it so great to have a friend or a partner that you can talk to or that they just sense it in you and they just have a calming presence? They can just pour love into you and you can walk out of that 10-minute experience or that 30-minute experience literally feeling refreshed 
and renewed and revived and ready to be more loving and connected to the people in your world. And so that's the same thing that we're offering our children when we do that thing that I say at the end of every one of our Facebook Lives. So in this scenario, there's some sort of stress going on and it's getting played out through the topic of food. So I would just really be focused on creating regulation around that. It could mean going back and feeding them like you might feed a toddler because that sounds, the things that they're talking about are very toddler-like behaviors. It could be that they're regressing and the regression, remember, regression is nothing more than an opportunity. It's an opportunity to love your baby in the way that they needed to experience love and connection at an earlier time in life. So it's just a beautiful opportunity to go back and love them in that baby toddler place that they may be finding themselves in emotionally. If you've not already done so today, press pause on everything. Give yourself five or 10 minutes just to chill, just to unwind, just to take some deep breaths, just to, you know, tap into that higher energy of love. Get your heart positioned back into remembering what we came into this for and go spend some time with your babies. Let the love you have for them shine from your eyes. Let them feel it. Let them see it on your face. Let them hear it in your tone of voice and go engage with them. Play is their favorite language and it's okay for them to be in charge sometimes. It's okay for them to tell you to put on the princess robe or to tell you how to build the Legos. It's okay for them to lead and for them to feel how deeply connected and how much you respect and adore them. Because when they feel that from you, it makes it a lot easier for them to give that back. That's that positive feedback loop. That's where that grows. That's how that builds. Remember, in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. It can happen to all of us. We can take one to two to three deep breaths and we can choose love. Much love to you guys. Have a blessed evening. We'll see you all tomorrow.